Welcome back to another episode of The Banana Show, where we speak about a variety of topics, mental health and self-improvement related. I'm your host, Anna Banana, and today I'm going to have with me John Barbie. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I'm not so good with these names, these names, but I'll put the link in the description box. He is a mindfulness coach, mental health coach who, help, who helps people achieve their fullest potential. Stay tuned as we go ahead and get into the interview. If you're listening from Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. And if you're listening from Google Podcasts, please share with your family and friends. And, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and like, subscribe and share the video and vibe with me in the comments as well. And also, if you have any topic recommendations, you can go ahead and email me or comment below what you want to hear, what you want me to talk about, and I'll go ahead and try to get that done for you. So I'm going to use the black and white filter today because I'm so tired and I don't want you guys to see that. Plus, it's a very beautiful filter. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get into it soon. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So I want to thank you for coming today. I really do appreciate it, John. I actually don't know if I pronounced your last name properly because it gave me a warm time to say. So could you go ahead and tell the audience what your last name is? Absolutely. It's an Italian name because I'm Italian and it's pronounced Barbieri. Barbiel. Okay. Wow. I'm Jamaican, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get into the interview. So what is mindfulness for somebody who doesn't understand what mindfulness is? Yes. So um, the the simple definition of mindfulness is uh, mindfulness is a particular way of paying attention. And this particular way is in the present moment, on purpose, and without judgment. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it can be a bit, uh, let's say, abstract as a concept. So I always like to start by giving example of the opposite of mindfulness, because it's something that we can all relate to. So for instance, if I'm asking you, have you ever driven your car somewhere and arrived to your destination only to realize you don't remember anything about the journey? Yeah. Right? Because you're so used to taking the journey. Exactly. Or for example, which is something I can personally really relate to, uh, you you open a packet of chips, you start eating, (laughs) and suddenly you notice that you have an empty packet in your hand and you don't remember eating all of the chips, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Right? So this is an example of the behavior that we have that are called mindlessness, Mm -hmm. right? It's the opposite. It's a state where we behave in an automatic way. Almost we are like in an autopilot, right? And uh, the, the way that we have all of us, of living in this autopilot state, which, by the way, uh, according to the late research, has been proved that 
almost 47% of the time that we spend awake, so almost half of the time we spend awake, is a, a time where we live in this autopilot mode, right? So our attention in this case is absorbed in our mind, wandering off uh, some fear about the future or some memory of the past. And while we are spending all of this time in our head, we simply do not pay attention of everything that happened around us, right? So in this situation, in this state of mind, we simply often do not notice the beauty of life. We do not pay enough attention to our body, which often we take for granted. Right. That's and true. we became stuck in this mechanical way of thinking that in some situation can become harmful to ourselves or to other people. Right. And in this type of mindset, we can also become vulnerable to anxiety, stress and depression. Right. And again, several research shown that the more the mind wanders, the less happy we are, right? And imagine like you're having fun with your friends, right? It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful evening. It's a Sunday evening. You're relaxed. You have your cocktail in, in your hand, obviously in a COVID-friendly <laughs> way of course, where it's possible. We need to be updated with a common event, with a current event. And at some point you're having fun and in your head pops up a memory, you know, the typical cringe moment where you're like, yeah, that happens to me. Like, ah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> that happens yeah. to me. Right. Really often, usually. And this moment, it's enough, this single moment, this single thought in your head and potentially your evening can be ruined. Right. Because you start thinking, oh, my God, this happened. Oh, uh, I had an awkward moment in the same situation a few weeks ago, oh, what is going to happen if I'm being the same awkward situation? And in literally seconds, your mood completely changed from a relaxed and having fun to, oh my God, what's going on now? What's <laughs> going to happen? Anxiety start to rise, right? And I'm talking about this moment because as I said, it's something that we can all relate to and it explained perfectly by opposite what is mindfulness right mm -hmm. so a mindful state is waking up from this autopilot mindset yeah. and literally taking the wheel of our attention and therefore of our lives right and because this particular way of paying attention is without judgment we learn how to pay attention to our thoughts and feelings as an observer. We do not take necessarily too personally what we are thinking. And most important, we start to realize that maybe not everyone, everything that our mind tells us is true. That's true. Yeah, I get that because I can relate to that. And, you know, a lot of us, we aren't in the present. We're just trying to get whatever done. And we don't even take the time out to process what is going on around us or how we feel and all of that. I have been doing, because I suffer from anxiety and depression, I have been doing 
guided meditations in the mornings every day when I wake up. I want to ask if that would be a form of mindfulness and how to take it to the other level where you can get more benefits from being mindful. Yes. Um, so absolutely guided meditation is uh, a practice, a tool, if you want, that can help us achieve a mindful state, right? Whereas, as I said, mindful state is just being present with all the senses. Uh, personally, uh, I'm a meditation instructor, so I strongly believe in this practice. However, in my experience, um, it's a bit tricky, if you want, as a practice. It's a bit more advanced. For example, um, I can relate uh, to your situation of suffering of anxiety and depression because I approach um, mindfulness for the same reason. I always suffer of a lot of anxiety. In my case, it wasn't manifested as depression. It was manifested through rage, right? And this type of uh, thinking, this type of approach brought me to have a huge burnout, enormous burnout, uh, which compromised my career and a lot of my personal relationship. And the first thing that I did was trying guided meditation because my colleague, my friend said, hey, you need to try meditation because it's going to calm you down. And I was like, okay. The problem that I face and many of my clients face in this situation is that when your mind is so used to work at the speed of light, is always constantly worried about something or thinking about something, um, Sometimes hearing a soothing voice that is telling you, okay, now breathe, <laughs> focus on your breathe, relax, don't think about anything in particular. It's just overwhelming in a way because your mind is so used to think that it doesn't really, it doesn't simply stop thinking just because someone is telling you to stop thinking, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's so. You can go ahead. Sorry. So um, when I started practicing mindfulness, as I said, by guided meditation, I tried a couple of times and I ended up being even more frustrated than before because I was sitting down all happy and comfy, you know, ready, <laughs> turning off my phone and so forth. And there was this voice, okay, start breathing, focus on your breath. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, I know I'm breathing. Otherwise I would be dead. So what's, I mean, what, what's going on now? And then you're saying like, do not just watch your thoughts. And I was like, okay, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking to this thing. Oh, but wait, no, I should not think now. Oh, but I'm failing at meditation. Oh my God, I'm so bad even at that. Why everyone is able to meditate and I don't, right? And so my personal approach, which is the one that I, uh, uh, apply and teach to other is learning first how to know ourselves, how to uh, be able to focus our attention. So when I will approach a guided meditation, I know what does it mean? Do not focus on your thought or focus on your breath, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want, meditation in my experience is like when you want, let's say that tomorrow you decide that you want to start running, right? You want to start running as an hobby. You're not going to start running 
by running a marathon immediately, right? <laughs> no, I mean, you can try. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> I mean, that, it won't work. But anyway, so guided meditation is like running a marathon, right? You want to learn how to walk first, run first, and then you're going to start to do 1K and then you move to 5K until you're able to do a marathon. So I think it's important to convey the message that meditation, mindfulness is not the same as meditation. Oh, right. That is something Me I didn't know, actually. Yes, because the, the, the good thing about mindfulness is that you can do it, you can practice it literally with everything that you can do every day, right? I'm giving you an example. The first, um, the first exercise, let's say, that I suggest and I recommend is mindful eating, right? To approach meditation and to really taste what meditation is all about. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, taste and double size. Uh, so, we know that everyone needs to eat, mm -hmm. right? I mean, hopefully. And... Uh, <laughs> But often when you eat, you don't really pay attention on what you're doing, right? You maybe are in a rush or you have a lot of things to think about. And as we mentioned before with the chips, you just open your food or you buy your food and um, 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 you finish it immediately while your mind think about something else, right? What if when you, the next time you sit down to eat, you sit down and try to experience the gesture of eating with all of your five senses, right? So for instance, notice the color of the food, smell the food, <laughs> really pay attention to the taste or the texture of the food in your mouth, right? Just take the 10 minutes, 20 minutes that you need to have your meal and really experience it with your five senses, that will bring you in a meditative state, in a mindful state, right? And this type of experience can be really applied to anything that you're doing, practical, such as eating, but even apply to your emotion. So for instance, for instance, as I said, I used to suffer with a lot of anxiety. Now I'm practicing mindfulness for five years and I'm not gonna tell you that I never anxious. Sometimes I am anxious, of course, because it's a human emotion, right? We cannot, the goal of mindfulness is not suppressing our emotion, right? Um, so whenever happened that I have anxiety for something, the first thing that I do is asking myself, how this anxiety is manifested into my body, right? I close my eyes and I start literally to do, to scan my body from my feet going up to my head and try to notice what are the physical sensation that anxiety bring me, right? Maybe I, I curl my toes or my calves are contracting or I feel my stomach that is like all gurgly and knotted up, right? And while you are paying attention, while you direct your focus to your body, to listen to your body, 
Naturally, your thoughts that gives you anxiety moves into the background. And because all of our thoughts have a life, so they start and at some point they and... disappear, right? If you learn how to concentrate, how to focus your attention in this moment to, for example, your body, as I was telling you, all these thoughts move naturally to the background and they fade as they come, they go. Okay. Yes, I actually experienced that when, because when I started to meditate, um, I struggled first of all with the guided meditation because I'm staying still my eyes are closed I'm able to stay still but my mind wasn't so I felt like I was failing at first until I started to get into it but I still have that occasionally I still have to fight to calm my mind down so it's like you know one day I decided that I'm going to just do no music no sound, nothing at all. Just lay down and take deep breaths. And I was able to figure out my feelings. I was able to feel like the pain. There was a specific pain in my knee that I felt. And then I didn't feel it any at all for the rest of the day. So I'm wondering if, you know, it has healing properties when you're able to, to properly practice mindfulness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, for a simple reason, for a logical reason, if you want, um, all the negative emotion that we have inside, all the stress, all the anxiety, naturally, they can bring you a physical problem, right? I if you are that. particularly, <laughs> right? we both can relate, I think. Um, for instance, if you are, some people, uh, if they struggle with a lot of anxiety and they, do, and they don't do anything about it, they might come up with a gastric issue, right? Ulcers and so forth and so on, or insomnia, right? So, of course, if we are able to mitigate and manage the issue on the root cause, meaning whatever trigger our anxiety, of course, we are going to eliminate the cause that is causing us physical pain. That's right? true. And you can see that like in the previous generations that they didn't know about stuff like mindfulness, they didn't know about therapy. They go through life with so much trauma that they did not take the time to get rid of because they actually don't know how to get rid of. And you see that in their older age, how much sickness they have, especially in the black community, there is diabetes, there is um, cholesterol, heart problems, all of that stuff that I feel like, even though it can come from diet and stuff that you do when you were younger, I feel like it come from a lot of traumatic experiences that they did not take the time out to deal with as well. And I had read a couple of books that stated that. Absolutely. As well. And think just about uh, what we were discussing before, right? The, the state of mindlessness that don't allow us to pay attention to our body, right? So uh, this, the generation before, but even mine, because I'm old, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's uh, we are simply not used to pay attention to the signal that our body is telling us, right? Because if I suffer of anxiety, maybe I don't even 
realize the root cause. So why I'm anxious, but my body at that point has already told me in several ways that something is wrong, right? Maybe I have high blood pressure, right? And if I don't treat my high blood pressure, of course I can have like circulatory problem in, in, in later in, in my life and so forth and so on, right? So it's all, uh, um, it's all about, I think in this case, really attacking the real root cause, which is something that in a way affect even the, the younger generation, if you want, because uh, if now, um, we are more, if you want, uh, often we are told to follow our instinct, follow our emotion and so forth. But it's true also that we are bombarded now by a ton of emotion. Think about the modern marketing, right? When you want to buy a phone, right? You don't look at the specs of the phone, try to find what is the right camera for you or how many gigabytes of RAM you want. You just buy the iPhone because you want to feel the emotion that the marketing guy are promising you. <laughs> yeah, or, that's true. Right? Think about politics, right? Politics is the whatever party, or I'm not discussing about party, but whatever party is going to plan their campaign over fear, mm -hmm. right? Uh, fear of uh, the foreigner, fear of whatever, uh, in my experience, the fear of the big bad LGBT community or fear about people that have a different color of the skin than yours, mm -hmm. right? This is based on fear, right? And because fear is a powerful emotion, right? Now, there's nothing bad about feeling emotion. It's part of being human. But if on a hand, we are bombarded by a ton of emotion or a ton of message that trigger our emotion, on the other hand, no one teaches us how to manage those emotions. Right? When you go to school, you learn about math, you learn about biology, if you are in a good school, <laughs> not necessarily all the time, but you can learn about this thing, but no one is teaching you how to be mindful. No one is teaching you how to manage your emotion, which is a pity because we are, in a way, the new generation are suffering even more. I live in Luxembourg, and in Luxembourg, uh, there's a 45% of risk for professional to have a burnout. Oh, wow. What is burnout if not the exhaustion, the mental and emotional exhaustion, because we are not able to process all the stimuli and emotion that we are bombarded every day at work in our in our scenario my local scenario but even if you think about facebook right how many people on facebook just burst out and vocalize their frustration and you as a reader are exposed to all the emotion that people throw out again yeah. nothing bad but how can you manage all this emotion that your mind keeps pumping up by reading what happened in the world or uh, reading a, a negative comment of, let's say, something that you've done. 
That's true. We aren't taught the necessary skills in schools to cope as a natural human being, maybe because they don't feel like it's actually very important, but it is. Um, so just to clarify, mindfulness, guided meditation or meditation is just a tool that you can use to practice mindfulness, but it's not really mindfulness, if you think well, about it. If, um by achieving a meditative state, yeah, by definition, be- you are being mindful, oh, right? Yeah. So we can say that meditation is included in the mindfulness mindful. experience, if you want, in the mindfulness practice. Oh, I understand. I understand now. So how? what are some creative, other from, you know, practice mindfulness eating, and stuff like that. What are other creative ways we can practice mindfulness? Is journaling could be yes. used for a tool? Yes, for a I'm, mindfulness tool? I'm really fond of journaling. I actually finished yesterday to, to write a 100-day mindful journal that <laughs> I will soon <laughs> offer to everyone. But it's extremely, I believe it's extremely important, uh, journaling if done properly, right? So often when we think about journaling, we imagine like the the book, the diary with the small locket and (laughs) writing everything that comes to my mind, (laughs) right? (laughs) With with a fancy pink pen or with all fluffy and so forth. Um, But mindfulness journaling is a bit different, right? it's not just about writing whatever it comes to mind, because for instance, if you are an anxious person and you start writing whatever comes to mind, you will probably write about your anxiety. And by writing, it kind of becomes more real, right? You put oh, in like a manifest. Exactly. Like a... Okay. Right? Mindful journal is a bit different because uh, it gives you a prompt. It gives you a, a, an idea to think about, right? For instance, the easiest way to start a mindful journal is every day writing on your journal, what are you grateful for? Oh, I do that, but I didn't know that it was a form of mindfulness because I was doing some research and they said that one of the ways that you can achieve contentment is actually writing three to five things that you're grateful for every day. And by doing that, it means you're pay attention, putting more attention to the positive things that are happening in your life. Hence, it helps you to feel better because you're not focusing on the negative things and you're able to both see correctly the positive and the negative and not just the negative because sometimes we all have tunnel vision to just only look at the negative things that are happening which does not help us to reach anywhere at all exactly and uh, by describing what you are just saying we can connect it to mindfulness because you were correctly saying it helps you to put your focus not just onto the negative but also onto the positive Meaning that you choose consciously to direct your focus on what are you doing now, what you just done, your day, so the present moment, right? And on top of it, as I was mentioning, another key component of mindfulness is not being judgmental. 
right? And uh, a good antidote to judgment is practicing gratitude. Oh, okay. Right? And that's why even just a simple question as what are you grateful for today? It can really help you to achieve a different perspective. And again, train your mind to focus on what, if you want, really matter, right? Or at least to achieve a balance, right? I believe that mindfulness is all about balance, right? It's yeah. uh, understanding that there's a balance between everything that your mind thinks and reality, right? It's true that may, it's true that we need some time to worry about things, right? <laughs> it's normal to worry. If you want to get things done, you need to plan your day. It's, it's fine, right? If we would be 100% mindful, we we would be basic we would be basically the vegetable we would be like i Just would say in a meditative state not really moving forward to reach our goals so exactly. it's like every every emotion that we feel plays a part and it's very important however we need to find a way to make to manage them properly so that you're not constantly feeling one of the emotions such as sadness and anger and anxiousness and all of that is all about balance as you said before so yeah Um, if you think i'm sorry about that i wanted to say this before i forgot i also do book reviews so if you would like you said you mentioned that you have a book the mindfulness book that's coming out so if you want me to post it and review it i will do that for you it would be my pleasure. So I will okay. definitely send you a copy as long as it's ready. Yes, yes. And congratulations on that. Thank I you. know how hard it is to be an author. It is, but it was also something that I didn't even plan, if you want. It's, uh, this, it's not a book. I call it workbook because it's a journal, but it, it just doesn't ask you to write. It asks you to draw. It asks you to uh, color. It asks oh, you to... Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that came out naturally because um, in my program, I have a nine-week program that I offer to my client to really understand mindfulness and apply it in a daily life in a personalized way, right? So we understand together what is your personal way to be mindful and we work on that. And naturally, many of my clients were drawn to journaling, right? I so am. <laughs> I started collecting um, different type of uh, prompt and not just a lot 100 questions that you need to answer every day and so forth. But I try to make it funny, right? I try to make it interesting. And in this book, Eras Where in my program, we examine the main characteristic of mindfulness and how it impacts our mind. It's like I'm trying to give you the blueprint of your brain because... I come from project management. So my work before was manage process and improve it and so forth. So for me, everything can be summed up in a flow chart, into a flow chart. And it's the same for your mind, 
right? So what is the best way to manage a process? In this case, a thought process. Understand how this process work, right? So the best way to manage your mind is understand your mind. Understand why sometimes your mind wanders and you get stuck in your thoughts and you cannot get out. Right? Oh, so it's like bringing attention to the root cause of the problem. Yes, but exactly. My question is like, if you suffer from depression and it's hard for you to find the root cause, then what? What are we supposed to do? Well, where can we begin? The, I think that the most important thing when it comes to depression, other than, of course, if you have a issue that might become pathological is, of course, uh, ask help to a therapist, of course, mm-hmm. like just not, I, I don't want to say that, oh, like drugs are absolutely useless. Psych- psychiatry <laughs> is scam. It's not, it's absolutely, but it's, to me, it's complementary to mindfulness, right? They together work in a synergy. So in in the case of depression, even if you don't know why, does it really matter as long as you accept it? Because acceptance, it's another pillar of mindfulness if you want. Acceptance is a word that in the contemporary age, it has become synonym of resignation. Oh, I accept my fate. There's nothing I can do. I will just submit and die. No. (laughs) Acceptance means opening ourselves to the experience, right? So if you are, if you suffer from depression, whether it's just mood swing every now and then or like serious problematic depression, Many of the conflict that arise, the guilt that you feel by being depressed, arise because you don't accept the fact that you're depressed. But if you don't accept that you're depressed, how can you do something about it? It's like like hiding the the dirt under the carpet. (laughs) Right? That's one way to put it. I, that's, of course, my, 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 my experience with, with this. And again, it's just the starting point, right? Because if you manage to accept the fact that you're depressed, it doesn't mean that you accept your depression and, will, and you will live all of your life being depressed. It simply means that you acknowledge that you are in this situation, right? And once you acknowledge it, in a way, a lot of the conflict that you feel, a lot of the guilt that you feel, it goes away. And it allows you to be able, in certain moments, to press pause, right? I, if I suffer from depression, I will probably feel guilty because maybe people will interpret my depression as, oh, you're just like a lazy person or you are not motivated, right? And that built additional guilt, right? Yeah, it does. It does. We are already experiencing a lot of negative emotion. We don't need guilt. We don't need conflict with ourselves. That's right? true. So if we accept that, okay, I suffer from the I suffer from depression. I accept that, but I can do something about it. It all turned out in a in a different optic, in a different perspective. It's you're not 
in the bottom of an endless black pit where you can never get out. You are maybe in the bottom of a pit. But if you stop for a second feeling guilty, you can start with help, of course. You can start to raise up the head and see, yes, I'm in the bottom, but there's the light and I can do something to reach it. Okay. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, you know, you've mentioned that you've been doing this for five years. How has mindfulness contributed positively to you as a person? Would you mind sharing a story from like a before and after experience, like before you did the mindfulness and then after you have started your practice or be on your journey of mindfulness? Yes. So, um, as I was mentioning before, I approached mindfulness after a huge burnout. And as I was telling you, I always suffer of anxiety. And I my burnout happened when I was 35 years old. And to be honest with you, I never thought for a second that I was suffering from anxiety because I was raised in a house where you have to be anxious because if you are not anxious about things, it means that you don't care. That's true. I can see where the thought that thought comes from. Italian family. <laughs> so, um, in this situation, I was, I came to a moment in my life where I was having anxiety that was manifesting in rage because if my reality wasn't as I was picturing it, as I was expecting it, it gave me a sense of powerlessness that makes me angry and I'm gonna be honest I was a a, I I don't want to say I was a horrible person no but I burn a lot of bridges and it was extremely frustrating because at some point in my life I was like I was my colleague used to describe me as an angry puppy (laughs) right Uh, uh, a, a little being that was always angry and it was always yap, 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 yapping. And, but it wasn't really like scary or it wasn't really doing anything about it. It was just yap, 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 yapping angrily, right? And, and that was a pivotal moment for me because at that point I realized that I, that's not the person that I want to be. I feel like inside I'm a loving person. I, I love helping people. It was just, Like I was not able literally to control myself whenever there was a stimuli that was triggering my anxiety, right? And that was, that makes in a way things worse because now I knew that I wanted to be in a certain way, but every time that I was having an issue at work or there was a colleague that was looking me in a weird way, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was, and, and it was horrible in a way because I could literally see myself from the outside with my, with my mouth saying certain things and my body like gesticulating as we Italian do. (laughs) And I was like, and there was this other side that was looking at me as in a movie. And I was like, no, John, stop talking. What, what are you saying? Not stop. You don't don't want to say that to your manager. No, that's bad. (laughs) (laughs) And and to that point, I reached one day where I was going to work. I was on my bus in Luxembourg Mm -hmm. and I had a 
I, I was visualizing the door of my office and I had, uh, I wasn't able to move. I was, I, I just stay, sit, I miss my exit. I miss my, my stop and I just stand on the bus and I spent basically all morning on the bus and I came back. And so the first thing that I did, of course, well, my manager was kind enough to say, well, maybe it's about time that you take some time for your mental well-being. And I was, thank you. And the first thing that I did was going to a psychiatrist, right? So I found a psychiatrist online. And the first thing that this guy gave me was uh, drugs, right? No, he, he didn't he, take the time out to kind of figure out the problem. Oh, no. He listened, he listened to me talking for about two hours. And... It was one hour per session. So at the end of the second session, I said, listen, I want to get better. I'm, I'm happy to tell you everything that is wrong in my life, but can you please help me to do something about it? So he prescribed me, uh, like he wrote something on a note. And because I have a little bit of experience in this type of treatment within my family, I, I looked up this drug uh, on the phone. I was still in the office and and I noticed that it was uh, for uh, the treatment of epilepsy. So I was like, uh, I'm sorry, doctor, but uh, why are you giving me drugs for epilepsy? Th there's one thing that I don't have is epilepsy. And he said, well, I think it should be fine for you. It's not a an high dosage. And I was like, uh, no, that's not gonna do well for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not what I wanna do, right? So I changed approach and I started uh, psychotherapy. I went through to the psychotherapist, which was a wonderful professionist. She was amazing. And with her, we started to find out the root causes of my anxiety, right? And I felt a little bit better for the first two or three months. But then after, I would say probably six months, I started to feeling a lot of worst because I knew the cause of my anxiety, of my need to be always the, to prove my worth, if you want. But again, I did not know what to do about it, right? And if anything, knowing the root cause will made it even more real, like, okay, my mind today work in this way because for 35 years, I did this, this, and that. So how can I change? I will never be able to change. And that's when I hit my lowest point in my life, I guess, because I really was one step from, let's just say that I visualize myself often doing something to end up everything. Let's just say that. And um, I've had that happen to me as well. So I understand. And, but that's when I said, well, I mean, there should be something that I can do about other than end my life, if you want. Mm -hmm. And during one of my endless sleepless nights, where I was jumping to YouTube video, you know, cute kittens or like meditation, I was trying everything, basically. I stumbled upon uh, Mingyur Rinpoche, which is a Lama. And um, his, um, his approach is really good because 
is he study a lot of Western medicine, Western psychology, and he was speaking about mindfulness in a way that was understandable for me. Right. As I said, I, I, I work in, in I used to work in process management, logistics, or so everything was about numbers and data and automation. And so hearing like, you know, open your mind, be present <laughs> for me, it was like, yeah, it sounds a bit hippish. It's, I don't really. Eh. But I this Mingyu Rinpoche was able to speak in a way that for me was understandable. We're speaking about the monkey mind, the mind that constantly talk with you and never stop. And how it's difficult to let this monkey mind stop talking, right? And that for me was a revelation, right? So I started uh, reading and learning about this particular approach. And because I really love biology and science, I expanded the 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 point of view of mindfulness not just from uh, buddhism or uh, simple zen meditation but also from neurobiology right and that was what did the trick for me because my mind which i always praise myself for being extremely logical and ironically i was the most illogical person in the world when it comes to emotion um it was like understanding and listening someone to speak my own language, if you want, right? Oh. So I started uh, approaching mindfulness in my own way. So as I said, I was not the best at guided meditation. And what I did was doing, okay, stop. What do you like to do? I like to walk in nature. And luckily here in Luxembourg, we have beautiful forests. So what I did was, okay, I'm start walking. I'm just going to use my phone. I'm just going to listen to music. And back then I was playing Pokemon Go, I must admit, <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to keep my mind busy, right? And try to redirect the focus from all of the thoughts that I had in my mind to something that was not my thoughts. So in this case was like catching Pokemon or listening mm -hmm. to music. And little by little, I commit to do one hour of walking every day. And little by little, I started to not needing the music anymore, not needing Pokemon Go anymore, because I was starting to noticing everything around me with all of my senses. So I remember that after, I would say probably three weeks or one month, I was playing and I was like, ah, I don't care catching a Pikachu. I want to see the world. I want to see the forest. I want to hear like the birds that are flying. I want I want to run away if I see a boar because sometimes you also <laughs> see a boar, so you want to run away. <laughs> and And that was the way that I started approaching mindfulness, right? And just having the possibility from even an hour of my day to quiet my mind was eye-opening, right? And then from there, I started to understand and to work on my judgment. How can I move beyond the strict judgment that my mind had, which by the way, everyone's have, right? Everyone has a different type of judgment because we have different belief, but we mm -hmm. all judge, mm -hmm. right? And again, the balance is not wrong to judge. judge. Judgment is what keeps us alive. 
But where is the thin red line when overjudging becomes dangerous? True. Right? I learn how to accept myself as a simple human being. So you can strive for perfection, but don't be mad if you're not perfect because we are human. Our nature is being imperfect. I learn the best thing that I've learned about mindfulness is learn how to forgive myself. That's true. Because I've been, I made mistake when I was young, everyone made mistake. And I was holding myself accountable for 20 years for mistake that I could have never like fixed because it was 20 years ago, right? And you realize at some point that it's fine. You can make mistake. It doesn't mean that your life is over. You can choose to punish yourself for the rest of your life for the mistake that you've made or you can choose to learn from your mistake and commit to be better. And that to me is being mindful. Is being mindfulness to me is simply being accountable. Oh. If you are conscious of your action, you can be accountable. You can learn from your mistake and mistake are opportunity they they turn into opportunity they don't turn in stigma in red letter that you need to wear on your forehead and you need to live your life in misery because you force yourself to pay for your mistake what's the point you are already paying for your mistake because you are feeling bad mm-hmm. right so stop feeling bad Take a step back, and that's where mindfulness comes from. Take a step back, observe the situation as a witness, as an observer, and find out that nugget in your mistake that contains a lesson. That's a good way to put it. It's all about being conscious and being aware of our actions so that we can either forgive ourselves or we can take the necessary actions we need to take to fix the problem if if we can. But not beating up ourselves if we can't. It's accepting and learning and moving yes. on from it rather than beating up ourselves for not being able to do something about it. The mistake that you have made or right the wrongs that you have made. It's natural to make mistakes. So, yes. yeah, Think you can about go ahead. I- I'm going to give you an example, a, a practical example, okay? Um, I don't know if you ever tried to, like, hit the nail and, like, put a poster on your wall. So you're going to hit the nail on, on your wall. And when you do it, uh, it always happens to me because I'm, I'm a bit clumsy. I always hit with the hammer my thumb. <laughs> I, I'm that bad. Wow. Right? That sounds <laughs> the first thing, it is. Or even when you wake up at night and you like hit the, the nightstand with, with, the, with your big toe, right? Oh, What's the first thing that you do? It's taking care of the wound, yes. right? If you hit your, your thumb, you're going to put it on fresh water. You're going to apply ice or whatever, right? You take care of yourself because you are already suffering, right? We should do the same when we make mistake. We should... Be compassionate. And that's the other pillar of mindfulness. We should be compassionate toward ourselves. 
Forgiveness means being compassionate. I'm already suffering. Why should I make myself even more miserable by listening to my inner critic that is telling me, oh, yeah, you didn't get the promotion. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm already sad. Yeah, but you need to remember that you didn't get the promotion because you're an idiot and you're not able to talk with people. I mean, what's what's the point? What am I going to gain? Our self-saboteur, man. Our right? self-saboteur can be so strong when you give it power. Exactly. How can we stop our inner saboteur or how we cannot let our inner saboteur to take control of our mind? Understanding that our inner saboteur is not telling us the objective truth. <laughs> True. It's just telling the interpretation of reality based on our belief. If you are raised in a way that, I don't know, if your family has raised you by saying, uh, the people in our family never cry because crying in the sign is a sign of weakness, right? If something, let's say, if you fall, and you break an arm, of course, you're going to cry. I mean, it hurts. It's normal. But in your head, there's an automatism, even an unconscious level that is reminding you, oh, you're crying. That's because you're weak. Right? These are all like interpretation of the reality that our inner critic tells us, not because they are true. You're not crying because you're weak. You are crying because you're broke you have broken an arm. It's normal, it's physiological to cry. But your inner critic in your inner saboteur will tell you, oh, but you're crying, you're weak, right? So oh. in addition to the pain that you're already feeling, you have the emotional pain of your voice that is telling you, nya, 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 nya. <laughs> you're not <laughs> able to do anything, right? What, how objectively, if you, if you as a friend, I'm telling you that, your instinct is telling me, hey, don't worry, it's normal crying. It's not because you're weak, right? We are such capable of being compassionate to, toward others, right? When you have a friend in need, you are prone to help him, right? In every way you can. Why we can't do, why we are not able to do the same thing with or us? ourselves, yes. That's right? true. Yeah. I've, I've learned so much and this is not something that I didn't know, but still bringing it to light helps. And I don't want it to cut off before I'm able to do the outro. So I really appreciate you coming here today. I learned a lot from you. I'm looking forward to having you back on the show to ask you about mental problems and such. Hold on. I just need to. Yeah. So. I'm looking forward to having you back on the show to talk about anything mental, mindfulness related. And this interview was so fun. I enjoyed it. And, you know, we'll see you, you next time. I'm going to pause it. Too. So, John, where can people find you if they're interested in learning about mindfulness or taking your nine weeks mindfulness program? Yes, you can, uh, you can reach me out through my website, which is thinkfeelnow.com. Okay. Even the, 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 the link is mindful, as you can see. <laughs> and if you want to have a talk with me, I always offer an introductory call. It's completely free. Just hit me up with, a, with an email and we will find a, um, 
a time that suits you and we just have a chat right okay just gonna see and we're just gonna discuss together and see if there's something that i can do to help you okay what i'm going to do is put all the information in the description box when this episode has aired so that everyone can have access to the information thank you Thank you.